This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from. With new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Katie Duke is our new favorite person. She's a board-certified acute care nurse practitioner with over 16 years of experience as a nursing professional. She's a mentor, a media expert, keynote and motivational speaker, podcast host, serious shout-out to the Bad Decisions podcast if you haven't heard it, and honestly, she's an all-around incredible human. We talked with Katie about her experience as a crisis contract COVID nurse in New York right after a major breakup, how her mental health was affected, her own severe case of COVID, and so much more. But we also wanted to give you a trigger warning before you listen to this episode. Our conversation contains heavy topics such as death, grief, Katie's firsthand traumatic experiences from the COVID ICU, and the specific hardships nurses endure. We wanted to first give a moment to every nurse and frontline worker that has done so much for us this year. If you need to, please feel free to skip this one if it feels too heavy for you. But it's important information and a really important story that we thought needed to be told. Thank you, and we hope you have a wonderful week. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. So we are so excited to have Katie Duke here today. Katie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Love talking about anything in the mental health realm. So this is going to be great. Yes. So you have, first of all, we're obsessed with bad decisions. We love your podcast. We love the episode you just did about turning 40 and the bullshit timelines. Yeah, it's. You know, I, it's interesting because I don't think that those existed, you know, um, like years and years and years ago. I think ever since the growth of the media and social media, we just, we like to tell people what the fuck to do with their life. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Can I curse on here? Yeah. You can fucking please. say whatever you want. Ton. We've had a lot of feedback about how much we curse. <laughs> we fucking love it. 
Yeah, I have, I have several, a few of my bad reviews in the um, Apple like podcast review, um, review place on iTunes is like, she curses so much. Don't <laughs> that's, listen, that's ours too. Ours is just that they're, how could these be real therapists? They curse too much. They're too unprofessional as, because we love telling everyone and women what the fuck to do with their mouths, right? Yeah, yeah. Because, right. you know, we also have a predetermined, um, you know, box that we like to put professionals in. And right. they can't have lives outside of that. Right. Well, oh my gosh, which makes total sense, right? And so you went through, so we'd love to hear a little bit about, one, we're obsessed with bad decisions, how the podcast came to be, and a little bit about what life on the front line during the pandemic was like. You also had severe COVID yourself. Um, people on the show know I almost lost my dad to COVID. I, I believe that healthcare workers are absolute angels. They 100% saved my dad's life. He wouldn't be here today. And he still has um, long-term symptoms. Mm. And so we're sitting here with this additional spike. We just um, went, started collecting um, all of our vaccine proof from our clinicians and everyone coming in so we can make our practice as safe as possible. And it's still interesting that you're still getting all this negative feedback about what is truth and science. And we're sitting here <laughs> talking about it. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about all that from you. So I, um, I've been a nurse for 17 years and a nurse practitioner for the last six and a half um, 2020 was a pretty interesting year. Um, at the end of 2019, I actually moved from my home in New York to DC, um, to move in with my long-term boyfriend at the time. Can you guys see where this is going? Yep. yep. <laughs> uh-huh. We're prepared. It's, it's, it's leading up to a full-blown shitstorm of, um, way too many life-changing events at once. But, um, next thing you know, like several months into living together and, you know, COVID hits and I'm working in DC as a cardiothoracic nurse practitioner and, um, I'm not having a good time adjusting to living in DC. I miss New York. I miss my home. I really wasn't even sure that like us being living together was like the right thing to do, but you know, let's just keep forcing shit that doesn't work because <laughs> that's what, especially we when we're stuck inside. Yeah. Yeah. A little locked in syndrome there. So, um, April 1st in the midst of a pandemic, my boyfriend wakes up in the morning and he breaks up with me and I have, um, to pack my bags and go stay in the hotel. And the next day I went to work and I barely made it through the shift. And I felt like, I felt like watching all the stuff on the news about what was happening in New York. I was like, Oh my God, I can't, I'm like, those are my people. And also I'm like, and man, like, fuck this man this motherfucker just dumped me in who gets dumped in the middle of a pandemic like I'm sorry I it's like a new like societal low I've achieved and I was kind of proud of that but um I was like you know I can either stay here and like keep begging this guy to take me back which of course you know I did um (laughs) that didn't really work out but I drove my car back to New York and I took a crisis COVID contract um and I was stationed I was stationed out of the Sheraton hotel, which is basically, they shut all the hotels down and they moved all the nurses and doctors in the hotels. So we were like checked up in a big dorm, no room service. They didn't even give us free movie channels. Like it was complete bullshit. The pool was closed. The gym was closed. Not even free porn. No, like nothing, (laughs) nothing at all. And we're like, we couldn't even rent pay-per-view movies, which is the fucked up thing. Really (laughs) fucked up. It's like, what else? You you couldn't even pay for it yourself. So um, they put, um, they, each room had like, um, like a little coffee maker, 
but the the crisis team, the crisis COVID like contract staffing agency was like, you know, um, you're going to be here for who knows how long. So we suggest you buy a miniature fridge and a microwave and, um, you know, just kind of like live out of this room. And so I remember a group of us nurses went to Target that day and we bought miniature fridges, microwaves. We bought like stuff to make sandwiches and ramen noodles. We were literally living off shit. And we started our crisis, our crisis contract that week. And um, I was like still really dealing with a very, very devastating breakup. Like we were together for several years and I moved my entire life for him because we were going to like get engaged. And when I look back, I ignored so many red flags, like all the red flags, just in my, in my face, like a fucking bowl of noodles. Like it was just high red flag, high red flag. And I mean, there's so many times where like, I real I look back and I'm like, God, we should have never really even been together that long, but Hey, so I have all that on my plate and like, I'm not really sleeping that well. I'm not really eating much, but like <laughs> sandwiches and food that's getting donated from people like around the neighborhood and Times Square and stuff. So we start the crisis contract and I get stationed out of the hospital in Brooklyn called Kings County Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, very underserved hospital, very under-resourced, a very underserved population, very under-resourced hospital. And um, we were like reusing the same mask for like 10 days, 14 days at a time. And I remember my first day in the COVID ICU there, I walked in and do you guys remember the movie, The Matrix? Yes. yes. You remember when Neo is like getting like a tour of like the underworld and he walks in that room and they have all the humans that are like plugged in and they're just like on top of each other. Yes. That's what it felt like. That's what this room felt like because there were 35, 35 patients just stacked up next to each other, all COVID positive patients, all on ventilators, all which life support. And, um, the interesting thing is, is that ICU was a makeshift ICU. It was actually an outpatient testing center before COVID hit. So it should have never even been an ICU. Like there were no rooms, there were no doors. Um, patients were literally just lined up like it was an army barracks. And the first thing that I thought of, I walked in, I was like, oh, this is not kosher. <laughs> this is, this is bad. And I was like, this is, this, this should not be this way. And I'm like, we're working in a fucking hot zone because the nurse's station wasn't even separated from where the patients were. So it was just mm. COVID everywhere. Yeah. Ah, and breathe the COVID air fresheners. Like it was everywhere. And, um, I kept thinking to myself, like, this is really fucked up, but I'm like, this can't go on forever. <laughs> so, um, that ended up proving, proving me to be very wrong. So I was working the crisis contract and we had about three people die each shift. Um, we had about three people die each shift. And I think like working in healthcare, you get used to death and it's not that it doesn't affect you, but you learn to deal with it. Um, and you have different coping mechanisms, you know, it depends on what kind of death it is. Anytime I used to work, um, you know, in cardiology and I would have someone who was end-stage heart failure, like it would be a relief when they finally passed away because they were not living a life of quality. And it was almost kind of like a blessing on the patient and the family. And then, you know, we have patients when I used to be an ER nurse who would come in and they would have very traumatic, very sudden, very unexpected deaths. That's different. But like the COVID deaths, like 
I guess the thing about this is that um, the difficult part about this was that all of these people were like so different. Like we know on like the cardiology floor, we know that we can expect, you know, people who have genetic problems to have heart failure and cardiomegaly and all these other issues, people with really bad comorbidities to have heart disease. But like, you can put people kind of into like, well, you're a high risk population. But the thing about with the COVID patients, and it still exists to this day, is it affects anybody and everybody. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a a 29 year old marathon runner, and you could be in the fucking ICU on a ventilator on life support. And you could be a 56 year old with diabetes and high blood pressure, you know, who used to smoke cigarettes, and you can be on the same ventilator and have the same problems. And you can be a, a 35 you know, year old woman who's pregnant and a mother of five kids at home. And it's the same situation. So the really like initial difficult part was that like the nurses were dealing with a really overwhelming situation. We didn't have resources and supplies. We were like hand cranking beds because we ran out of hospital beds and FEMA basically found a bunch of old beds from like, I think like the military or something. And like they were hand crank beds. And so we were like hand cranking beds. We were hanging drips without pumps, which means you have to like count the drops that go in the drip chamber every minute and do a calculation like manually, which is shit that we would never, ever, ever do. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? (laughs) It's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash ShrinkChicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair 
cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. And um, all of this was like a big mindfuck, first of all. Um, but I think the crazy part was that it was just so over, it was just so overwhelming. Um, and, you know, I never really thought that I would live to see a pandemic. I have a whole family of nurses who also feels the same way. Never thought that we would ever live to see any sort of like a pandemic, but um, it was just so incredibly overwhelming, but you just didn't really know how to cope. So I think the the first problem where people in healthcare first started to really deal with was just the overwhelming part of it, the accountability and the coping issues. But on top of that, we also had to take on like the place of family members. Cause this was when no one was allowed in the hospital and everyone's dying. Like in that ICU, no patients ever left the ICU. They all died. No one got like taken off the ventilator and like sent home or sent to rehab. No, everyone died. And the thing is, is like, if the family can't be there and this person's dying, what do you think happens? We were FaceTiming people to spend their last few minutes with their loved one. And, you know, this is happening multiple times a shift. So we would FaceTime, you know, their family. I I remember this one guy specifically, he was 59 years old. No, he was, he was, he was like in his late fifties. Um, And he, he and his wife, they had like seven kids. And then each of those kids was married and had like, like two or three kids. He had a very large family and the family had been all quarantining together from the beginning of like when the stay at home orders were issued. And um, he was like totally fine. And he came into the hospital one day with like leg pain and shortness of breath. And he never left the hospital. And I remember FaceTiming um, his family. It was like myself, three other nurses, two residents, the attending physician, um, and then several of the NPs. So it was like a whole group of us huddled around. And his wife was like, can you hold his hand? Can you play this song on your iPhone? Can you um, rub the back of his head? He loves that. I used to always do that to him. And they were married. They got married when they were 19 years old. Like they were together for like 40 something years. Like it, it was, it was insane, but there has never been a moment in my like nursing or healthcare life that has been that heavy. Like that's fucking heavy. I mean, it was, Oh, it was just, it was just terrible. And honestly, I think that's the part that really kind of fucked with all of us the most was this, we were carrying all these, we were filling all these places, you know, of family members to give them comfort you know, during the time that their loved ones were dying because they couldn't be there. And that's like, you can't really swap that out. Like these are complete, we're complete strangers as far as they're concerned, you know, and it's just, 
oh, it was just, it was fucking terrible, man. And so, you know, to think here we are a year later and we have all these uh, shit for brains on social media and, you know, on places like Fox News and um, these other places and that are just spreading like so much non-factual information and people eat it up like fucking crazy. And then we're getting back to the point where hospitals are getting overwhelmed and the same thing's going to happen again. And at this point, a year ago, it wasn't preventable. We didn't have vaccines. We didn't have the technology. We didn't really know how to really treat COVID. Um, but now it's preventable. Um, so after several weeks of working um, in that in that area, I remember it was on like a, a Saturday evening. I started getting diarrhea and then I got a fever of like 104 and I started getting body aches. And I was like, oh, fuck, I have COVID. But I just didn't really think, much of it because I was like, ah, you know, I'll probably feel like shit for a week and I'll have to quarantine for two weeks and then I'll be back, whatever. And an entire week went by. Um, and I was in my hospital, I was in my, my, my hotel bed and I was just miserable, like probably some of the worst body ache pain I've ever had. Um, and I just couldn't eat anything. I was like shitting my brains out and I was like, what the fuck? And I was taking Tylenol every six hours and my fever would just be through the roof. And finally on um, Sunday, it was actually the Sunday, like, um, right. Or it was like May, May 9th or 10th. And I started getting chest pain, shortness of breath, and my oxygen levels dropped, like, cause I had a little pulse oximeter on my finger and um, I had to go to the hospital and I ended up being in the hospital for two weeks because I had severe COVID. I developed um, COVID pneumonia. I had to take blood thinners because my um, levels were elevated, indicating that I could likely have a blood clot somewhere. And I couldn't even like breathe. Like I couldn't walk 10 feet without getting short of breath. I had to have someone help me shower. Like it was, it was fucking crazy. And I was totally fine. I was going to Orange Theory like four days a week before I left DC. Like I've always been, um, you know, a very active person and I don't have any medical history. Like I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have diabetes. I, I, I don't, I don't have any medical problems other than like kidney stones and, um, you know, needed some stitches here or there. Cause I'm a, you know, an asshole when it comes to fighting bitches in seventh grade, believe that we'll save that for a different podcast. So I was, um, into, I was in the hospital for several weeks. It's crazy. Cause on my third or fourth day at the hospital, my staffing agency called me and they're like, so, um, we're going to need you to come and clean out your hotel room because we need it for somebody else. And I'm like, well, um, I can't really do that because I'm kind of in the hospital, like in the step down unit on oxygen. And, you know, I've, I've kind of kind of sick and they're like, Oh, well, do you have someone who can come do it for you? And I'm like, no, like there's a, that's a, there's a million hotels in New York city. You can't find another fucking room to put, somebody like to put this person in and uh, they ended up calling me the next day <laughs> telling me telling me that my um <laughs> ended up calling me and telling me that my contract was canceled and that they would no longer be needing me and I was like wow this is amazing like nurses are so appreciated and it was it was it was honestly it was just some of the worst time of like my life um and so flash forward here we are a year later and people are just being honestly, like, I think 
people are real fucking selfish. I think that people are real selfish. I think that nobody cares about the basic um, things that our society needs to function, which is we need public health and we need infrastructure of the healthcare and hospital systems and of our government. Like those are just basic things that we need. But so many people just feel like their their freedom is being infringed upon because you're trying to force me to get a vaccine. And it's like, wow, like how fucking dare you? Like people, people pick and choose what they want to believe. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not convinced that I'm going to sit here and, you know, be able to convert all the anti-vaxxers out there, but we're heading in the same direction because the hospitals are getting overwhelmed. And that's when, that's when shit hits the fan, because if a hospital has no beds left, when you're, when your grandma starts having chest pain, which normally would be an in and out the next day kind of thing, even if you're having a heart attack, what do you think is going to happen? She's going to die because the hospitals yeah. have no beds and there's nothing that anyone can do. And um, people don't think like that, though. They only think about themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, now we're turning into a, a pandemic of the unvaxxed and of the ignorant and, of you know, the, the selfish people. And I just don't know how we got to, well, I know how social media, basically, um, which is both a blessing and a curse, but, you know, people used to really believe and trust science and I miss those days. So, um, but yeah, so that's been my last year. It's it's such a funny thing because, so we were talking about, um, my grandfather worked on the polio vaccine and my dad was one of the first kids in the United States to get polio that my grandmother brought him to the parking lot. My grandfather ran outside, gave him the shot and ran back inside the lab. Like there was a time that people were like so willing and honored science and trusted this and it is so drastically turned around right like i'm someone who also has a child who is not allowed to get vaccinated because they're two and a half right so there's all this population of people that are truly not able to get the vaccine because it's not approved for them yet and what happens there right but i would love to hear about because everything i heard from you was trauma 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 right like so like we have now <laughs> right we now have we've exceeded all, our yearly quota yes we, <laughs> that's the the check mark has been yep made in all those boxes right and so we now have all of these healthcare professionals that are having this residual trauma and are sitting here looking like oh my god here i go again how could i possibly do this i'm already burnt out and so what what would you say to that? What do you think is needed to best take care? And like, what would be your thoughts and advice for healthcare professionals? I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. My thoughts and advice for healthcare professionals, it's not your fucking job to save the system. And if you feel that you are burnt out, and especially if you feel that you are um, having very dark thoughts um, and thoughts of harming yourself or other people or that like apathy, I think you need to, to exit stage left. Mm-hmm. And because if you don't preserve yourself, I mean, we all know the hospital and healthcare systems, they don't care about the staff. They, they especially don't care about the nurses because the nurses don't make hospitals any money. They love the physicians and they love the surgeons and um, you know, because they bring in income. And even though our hospital is a non-for-profit industry, it's very much for profit. And we have nurses screaming all over like social media saying like, you guys were drowning. Um, our hospital CEO just got a $2 million bonus, but we are so short staffed. I can't provide safe care to my patients. And so the hospitals are prioritizing, you know, all of the wrong areas right now. And then they want to turn around and glorify us as heroes and angels and your health. They'll give, they'll give, they'll give you a sign outside right, and a nice like clap a, at 7 p.m. Right, you'll get like a cake. <laughs> we'll get a sign outside. We'll get a pizza party. Right. But all we want is just more staff. But also, like, you need to pay people what they should be getting paid. Yes. And, um, you know, I think a lot of nurses nationwide, we've always been underpaid and very overworked especially for the amount that we contribute to patient care and um, you know, how much of what we do revolves around a patient's hospitalization or their stay. But the issue lies within, we work in a very greedy system that really just doesn't give a fuck because hospitals look at it as nurses are disposable. If you don't want to work here, I can get a hundred more where you came from. But the problem is, is that nurses are being, um, nurses are being much better advocates for themselves these days. And last year, towards the beginning of this year, we saw a mass exodus from clinical hospital work. 
nurses are like, yeah, fuck this. I, I don't need to work like this anymore. There's other options for me. And that's a great thing, but I hate to say it, our healthcare system is going to crumble and it's not going to be our fault, but it's like, no one does anything. No one gives a fuck. And the thing is, is like, what do you think would happen? I'm just going to use this as like an analogy. What do you think would happen? Um, if for example, like LeBron James was like, you know, Lakers, I don't really feel like I'm being valued and appreciated. Um, I don't really think I want to play in the finals this year. Like the entire world would shut down. Like the ESPN would create a a major campaign. The New York Times, sports, Washington, everybody would be like, oh my God, we can't let this happen. Oh my God. And all of a sudden money would come pouring out of the woodwork at the Staples Center. Um, And, you know, he's technically a hero. He has cereal, he has shoes, he has millions and millions of dollars. But do you think any of his skills or talents matter in a time like right now? Not saying that they don't, but like, let's get down to the shit that actually should be a priority. Like why have It's entertainment, it's not life-saving. Yeah. So like, why aren't healthcare providers being paid crisis pay when they've been working in a crisis for over a year? Why aren't healthcare providers loans forgiven? Like we can spend a trillion dollars on the military or I don't know, other random shit, but like, we can't just take a one-time thing and take everyone's healthcare provider loans and be like, you guys don't need to pay your loans back. Thanks for sacrificing yourselves to save your body. Yes. Well, and also, you know, like even just hearing that story about the man who was dying of COVID and his family couldn't come see him and the, the fact that, that you guys had to step in for that, like the emotional weight of that, like even hearing that as mental health providers, that would be so heavy for us. It's very, yeah. And, you know, and we have tools and we're, we're like, okay, you know, we can go to a therapist and I want to know like what's in place for you guys in order to support your mental health, if anything, during that time? Because the weight of that is so heavy and then you're expected to go back the next day and do it again for 12 hours. Oh no, not go back the next day. You have to turn around after you pronounce his death and go to the rest of the patient. Right? Like that's the worst part because it happens in like the middle of a shift. You can't just be like, oh, this death was really rough. I'm going to take the rest of the day off doesn't work like that. Um, what's happening to like support our mental health? Well, um, do you guys have sound effects? We could insert like a cricket. We, yeah, <laughs> we could. Yes, this is the time. We'll figure it. We'll ask. We'll ask yeah, the, editor. Yeah, the editor. We'll put it in right now. So I'm going to say, um, what have the hospitals and healthcare systems done to support our mental health? You can insert cricket sound here. Um, they have you know, they'll, they'll order pizza parties. And uh, for nurses week this past year in May, um, 2021, they started giving out bags of rocks, bags of, I'm sorry, what making this up actual rocks. Um, and they would give for out what rocks. you could tie yourself to and throw yourself in a fucking room <laughs> what are you supposed to do with the goddamn rocks. Yep. Rocks and, um, like paint pens. And they would tell the nurses on the unit, you're the rock of this unit. We want you to write a note to a fellow nurse and let them know that they're the rock of this unit. I'm not making, I'm not making this up. It was a huge uproar. Um, I think I had to do that at summer camp one time. <laughs> I think it's just like when people are cheap and they just are like, oh, yeah. we want to give presents out. Let's just go outside and grab some rocks. So it literally, we literally got rocks um, and pizza 
party. So the hospitals have not done anything to support mental health. Um, they haven't brought um, mental health therapists or counselors or psychiatrists on site. They don't offer debriefings. Um, and I know back when I used to be an ER nurse, I was an ER nurse in a pediatric and adult level one trauma center in Manhattan for like 10 years. There was a lot of shit that came through those doors that, um, that caused some mental health trauma. And our um, directors, they used to always bring um, you know, the psychiatrists and the residents um, and some of the interns and the um, mental health therapists down from like the inpatient unit after we would have like a traumatic pediatric death or like when we had, we had to take care of a woman one time who had just murdered three toddlers, like lots of trauma, but they would bring it down immediately. And they would be like, take the next like hour and sit in here and let's help you debrief. Cause we know you have to finish out your shift. And I mean, that's not, it's more of a bandaid. It's not really like a fix all thing, but they made an attempt to do something, but they haven't really done anything, you know, throughout this time. But I'll tell you who has came through is companies like BetterHelp and Headspace and Talkspace. Um, those online therapy platforms like BetterHelp, I think was offering like free for healthcare providers. Um, and I think Talkspace and Headspace as well. And I think Calm also, the Calm mm -hmm. app, they yeah. offered like free subscriptions for healthcare providers. But like... I, it's, you know, that is, that's a step in the right direction. But again, it's like, it's not really fixing the root of the, the issue. And the root of the issue is that healthcare providers work in um, emotionally, psychologically traumatizing environments. And that's just an average shift on a daily basis, right? But then we're also dealing with a profound amount of death and disparities and um, just like working in like, what's like a war zone and we're not getting the support that like the military gets, you know, when they come back from a war zone and I'm not comparing it word for word, but um, yeah. So like a lot of us turn to like social media, Instagram, um, and we kind of have a very supportive community there. And um, it's kind of sad that that's where, you know, we all have to turn to get support and to, find community and camaraderie, but like that's a guaranteed place that you'll get it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's interesting because we're also talking about like there is so much effort put on like personal responsibility, like the way that we also do with like climate change, right? Like, okay, like I can recycle and compost, but if 70% of the emission, the CO2 emissions are coming from Fortune 500 companies, I can't do shit about that, right. right? Like, same thing. Like, you can do whatever you can in those 12-hour shifts, but if they're not giving pay, if they're not giving services, if there's not, they're not providing, how about general PPE for you, how are you supposed to make real change? And, like, this does go back to the conversation we've had many times of internal versus external burnout. You can't do anything with external burnout. You can be your best self. You can go in and meditate before that 12-hour shift and go to therapy afterwards. But that's external shit that you can. That's policy yeah. issues. And yeah. I think one of the really sad things, too, is that the people who are drawn to these positions are people who are very empathetic and, like, very caring. Yeah. And people who love to take care of people. We're sensitive people. Sense Exactly. And, and so to... Uh, I know this sounds like kind of corny, but like to dim that light because there's that support isn't there because the recognition, the appreciation, the 
you know, the compensation is not there when it's so important for people to have that sensitivity towards other people, especially now, that that is being ripped apart from you because you can only take so much. You can only give so much until you get completely worn down. Completely worn down. And that's what's caused this mass exodus. And so now there are hospitals that are across the country, specifically in the hot spots, which are specifically in more red states, if you will, (laughs) um, that are losing nurses and nurses are walking off in the middle of shifts and risking their license because they're just that like done. Um, but also nurses that are like retiring and resigning, like completely out of nowhere, um, which it's not out of nowhere to them, but the hospital is like, I can't believe you would retire. You've got 10 more years left of service. You need to pay us. Um, and then also, you know, you have, um, you have people that, for example, like me, I last year, I worked through all that. I, when I was discharged from the hospital, I was actually homeless because like I had nowhere to go because my last home was in DC, which were all of my shit was still there also. Um, and so I had to go stay with my sister for a couple weeks. And then when I got back to, cause she lived in Chicago, I drove from New York to Chicago and then drove from Chicago back to New York a few weeks later when I signed a lease for an apartment. And I was out of work for a few months um, because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't fucking breathe. I was having bad side effects, bad long-term effects. Well, you know, you said that your, your father was experiencing the same thing. Um, and then I decided to, you know, okay, well, let me just give it a few months. And so I followed up with my doctor and he's like, all right, I think we could probably send you back to work now. Your pulmonary function tests are looking better. Um, you know, your CAT scan looks fine. Um, you don't show any fibrosis or any scarring, which is good. He's like, it's just going to take some time to get to feel back like yourself. And I went back to work and I was working as a trauma surgery NP in Brooklyn again. And um, I went back and I was just like, okay, you know, well, um, it was from a different perspective because I wasn't working like in the ICU, I was working trauma surgery. So I was seeing, you know, like 12 year olds getting shot and, you know, two year olds getting shot. And just a different type of trauma, a different type of trauma. But honestly, like I was an ER nurse, I'm used to that trauma. It's, it's, isn't that terrible to say, like, I'm used to that kind of trauma. It's fine. That's like regular, regular. Yeah, that's the regular old trauma. Yes. <laughs> Just the regular, regular trauma. <laughs> um, but I started getting like bullied really bad from my fucking director who was an NP. And she was just like, you know, those women out there who just hate other women. Yes, we do know those. <laughs> I think they're the people that are so mad that we're all cursing. <laughs> Yeah. To the same people who are, who are giving us negative reviews yes. on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Be like, okay, thanks, Karen. <laughs> um, so she was my like director and she would just fuck with me every day. And um, three months later, I was just like, dude, between like COVID and me getting sick because a hospital like didn't have the resources to get new masks each day um, and then coming back and getting fucked with by this fucking bitch every day I was like yeah fuck this and I quit I resigned I walked away and I initially kind of thought I just need a little more of a break and I'll just keep exsanguinating my savings account because I can't go back to work right now and I ended up doing that but I never went back and that was October of 2020 and um, I decided I was like why do we keep forcing ourselves back in these toxic relationships? Because that's really what the hospital is. And so 
I've kind of made it my mission since then to help encourage other nurses to um, not only to help them kind of deal with burnout, but also to help them understand that their value does not lie within working in a hospital. And that um, if to recognize when they are in a toxic work environment, which is pretty much every hospital out there, which is sad, um, but you know, there are, there are a lot that are great. Like my sister's an NP and she has a great job and she, um, she really loves her job and she appreci- she's appreciated and that's great, but that's the exception and not the norm. But I have kind of dedicated myself to helping nurses to follow their passions and create goals in life that don't involve the hospital, that involve them, you know, pursuing what really interests them and, you know, starting an Etsy shop. If you want to start a fucking Etsy shop, like, or, you know, starting, you know, to be a mentor or other things that take them out of that toxic situation, because let me tell you, if we have already been in this for a year and a half and nothing, none of our actions or behaviors from hospitals have changed towards the nurses and the physicians and the staff, it's never going to change. It's never going to get better. And unfortunately, our government isn't going to do anything about it either. So I'm trying to encourage people to take action into their own hands and realize like you don't need to work in the hospital to be a good nurse. You don't need to kill yourself every single day during your shift. Like exhaustion is not a badge of honor. It's not, but we love to be in like the worst environment and brag about it. And it's yeah. like, why? Well, I, I, I think too, there's this expectation, right? Like you're becoming a nurse. And so that means you have to completely sacrifice yourself for yeah. others, right? Like there's this expectation in a way of like, you have to give yourself up completely my husband used to be a nurse too and he he was completely burnt out by the time I met him this was way before COVID um and he worked at a hospital in Philadelphia completely burnt out and you could he was miserable completely miserable um but it took him some years to recover from that burnout he is now a real estate agent um but you can (laughs) you can completely see the difference in how he's functioning on a day-to-day basis and you know he was 10 years into it before I met him and his entire family is nurses too yeah so yeah mine too exactly runs in the family um but you see it you really see the burnout and so I have a question for you is like how have you been like what's the difference for you since you left nursing um I think since I left like the traditional nursing world, which is like the hospital, the clinical setting. Um, I have been, I, I, I'm not burnt out anymore. So that's, that's that. I removed the external factor that was contributing to my burnout. Um, I removed myself from the unhealthy relationship because that's really what, what these environments are. They're not safe. They're very abusive. Um, they don't offer you protection in times of vulnerability in times of need. And that's like classic triad of unhealthy, toxic relationship. Right. Um, so I removed myself from that situation. So I'm not burnt out anymore. Um, and I think for me, like, it's just been kind of tricky for the last, you know, um, 10 months where I've been like, all right, so this whole like self-employed thing, what the fuck is that about? (laughs) I'd be like, okay, so am I just never going to have a retirement fund? Like, do I start that on my own? Like, what, what, what is happening? I'm paying a thousand a month for Cobra. Fabulous. Like, (laughs) what the hell is happening? Um, so I have a different type of trauma that I'm going through now. And that's just the trauma of like, 
kind of like being thrown in a pool and being forced to swim. Um, but, you know, I, I miss taking care of patients. I miss, you know, the camaraderie of, you know, working with, you know, the team. Um, but I do not miss having to walk on my fucking like toes every single day in the hospital wondering who's going to fuck with me because I'm on Instagram, you know, because I'm Instagram popular, whatever the fuck they want to say. Who's going to be the jealous bitch who's my director, who's just going to be, you know, bullying me every fucking day. Am I not going to have enough PPE, you know, to last me throughout the shift? And am I going to get, you know, deathly sick and be in the hospital for two weeks because of it? And I don't have to worry about those things anymore. So that's a good, that's a great step forward. Yeah. Um, uh, before we move forward, do it, doing our calling some bullshit segment that we do, we want you to call out some bullshits in your industry, which is quite fucking easy to do. I think you got going on pretty much <laughs> the whole episode. It was pretty much the whole episode, right? I want to make sure people really hear this last point that you said, because I think it's so important that we feel like we have to have it perfectly set to leave something, that we have to have the money figured out and we have to have the resources figured out. What Why would anybody be responsible and do that? Yes, right. And we want to. And ideally, if that could happen, that's great. But sometimes we have to save ourselves that our life matters more than figuring out the retirement plan. And I think that like that is really important for people to hear because that is so hard for people to leave something until they feel like they have a perfectly new plan set. And I want to make sure everyone listening hears that point of what you're saying. Yeah. And the other thing is you see those fucking memes all over Instagram that say, before you quit your full-time day job, you need to have six months of your, of your all expenses of your life saved up, or you need to have, you know, all of your debt paid and you need to have this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I definitely didn't have that. Right. Um, yeah. So like, I think. But maybe do it. Getting that part could kill you. Right. Getting that part, figuring it out and making it right by that meme could end up killing you. You're just going back on the hamster wheel, right? You're just going back on the hamster wheel. Um, I have a group chat of some other like nurse entrepreneurs that um, all of us have kind of left the traditional workplace and taken big risks, big leaps, and just been like, all right, we're going to start our own shit. Um, and I remember like we would we would do check-ins like every week, every couple weeks, and they'll be like, Katie, when are you going to leave your full-time job? Because like you have all this other stuff that you built. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I'm like, I'm going to lose my street credit if I leave my full-time job or I'm going to, you know, be broke if I'm not going to have enough money or whatever. I'm like, I live in New York City. My fucking rent is four grand a month. What the hell are you talking about? Um, so like, I think the only thing that you should have um, is you should have planned out a way that you're going to get your health insurance. So you need to plan out, am I going to have to pay for COBRA or can I get private health insurance or can I apply for Medicaid? Um, or can I get on maybe a significant other or a spouse's plan or something? I have, you know, I had neither of those at the time. Um, still don't have a spouse, but hopefully working on it. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that you should have outside of that is um, you really need to have um, a group of people around you who can encourage you, but also give you constructive feedback. Like, not just sit there and coddle you the entire time. Someone who can say, all right, listen, I'm glad that you took this step, but let's get to working on something that can give you financial stability and peace of mind and work-life balance. So you have to actually have people around you who you know can be a good support system, but who also won't let you just like, you know, drown in your sorrows for, you know, leaving your daytime job 
um, you know, and starting this whole new chapter. And so I, I had people around me who pushed me, which was good, but also provided a lot of support. Um, and I'm not going to tell people be like, oh yeah, you have to have this much money in the bank because I hate to say it, but like, you're either going to figure it out or you're going to go get another job. And right. like, you don't have to go back to like the toxic environment. I have thought so many times about going and working for like Instagram or Google or fucking, um, you know, being like a, a concierge travel nurse or going and working for like an aesthetics practice just so I could get free Botox. Like I like there's Good so move. many other, yeah, right. Strategic move. But there's so many other options out there for people. But for some reason, we just always get drawn back to the thing that's most public and most prevalent, which are like these traditional workplaces and for healthcare people, you know, hospitals and healthcare facilities. Um, but like, you really don't need all of that. Um, so like, if you see those stupid fucking names that are like, before you leave your, quit your job to become an entrepreneur, you need to have seven months of savings, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know anyone. I'm 40. I don't know anyone my age who has seven months of anything saved up. Right. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. We're entrepreneurs. We figure this out every day. Every day it's something new. We you just throw out. shit at the wall and hope that it sticks. Yep. Hope. And and then ask our accountant and lawyer a bunch of questions. I, we and don't I, know. Yeah, I think that there's there's like a safety in like pretending like you can plan it out. Right. To say like, yes. okay, well, I can save this much and then I will be it will be great. Like yeah. nothing bad will happen when really that's, it's not preventable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and there's a safe, there's a safety in getting a paycheck from someone else, right? If I work this much, this is the paycheck I'm going to get and we're done. But, and to leave that kind of safety net is scary. But I think when the burnout exceeds that and it no longer feels safe there, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the emotional safety is no longer there. And um, that it makes sense to say, listen, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to surround myself with people who support me and I'll throw shit up against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. I mean, and if it, not, I'll find a job. Yeah. We'll figure something will, yeah. it'll work out in some fucking way. Just usually not the way you thought it was right. going to. Right. Yeah. Okay. But like you can find a job that, um, is not as heavy as the job that you're leaving. Yeah. Yes. I could talk to you all day because fuck the system and I have a lot to say about it, but we have to go to so going, calling bullshit. I would appreciate, could we say, call some bullshit out? You know, for anyone listening, we're huge fans of the vaccine. We were very lucky. We got the vaccine super early. We were super excited about it. We felt completely honored. We were able to get it back in January. We like had a party. We pretty, had a pretty par- much was, had a party like, when it was, we went to it, get the I, cr- I cried to my nurse and thanked her because that was all I could think about was my dad made it and holy shit, there's an end. So could you maybe call some bullshit out on some anti-vaxxer stuff oh absolutely (laughs) so actually let me pull up my my thing that i had prepared for for this moment oh so um there actually was some lovely new information um that was released yesterday by the cdc which who by the way you know we should trust after all um science is an ever it's an ever evolving process but you have to trust the data that we do have Um, So I'm going to call bullshit on people stating that the vaccine causes infertility, causes miscarriages, or will affect your fertility down the line. So I'm going to call bullshit on that. Um, In fact, COVID vaccination is recommended for all people age 12 and older, 
especially and including people who are pregnant, breastfeeding, trying to become pregnant or might become pregnant in the future. And the issue is, is that pregnant people are getting very, very severe COVID illness. Um, in alignment with all of the organizations that care for people, which is the Reproductive Medicine Society, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and um, also the American Academy of Pediatrics as well, there are no evidence of safety concerns or fertility issues, and everyone fully supports in those organizing bodies, someone age 12 and older getting it. If your doctor or your nurse or your NP or your fucking neighbor is saying, do not get the vaccine, you're pregnant, or you're going to be pregnant, or, um, you know, you might be pregnant in 10 years, you need to ask them why they are not following the current scientific evidence-based guidelines. And then you need to find a new person to get your care from. Um, so this, I think, is the most important thing to get out there right now, because pregnant people are getting really, really severe illness, and they are dying very often. Um, and, you know, the sad thing is, is I have 142,000 followers on Instagram. Majority of those followers are nurses or nursing professionals. You should see the messages people are sending me. Completely healthy, pregnant women with several kids at home coming into the hospital and having like a cough or a fever or body aches and then getting admitted to the ICU and on a ventilator within 24 hours and they don't make it off there. And then the nursing and the hospital staff has to tell their husband or their spouse or their partner, we're going to have to keep her on the ventilator until it's safe to deliver the baby. And then after that, your spouse will die, but your baby, hopefully, but your baby, hopefully will survive. Your baby, hopefully will be born, um, you know, healthy. And they are delivering 27, 28 weekers, 30 weekers, and the mothers are dying. Um, they're being taken off of life support after that because they are, in such critical condition, they are on last ditch efforts of life support. And for some reason, you know, COVID is really affecting pregnant people exponentially more severe than other people. Um, but again, like the emphasis, you guys have to like, people listening to this have to understand that the emphasis of this is that we do have a lot of data. We do have a lot of science. We do have a year of monitoring people and the sample size is massive. There has never been a sample size, which means the amount of people who have gotten the vaccine during trial and administration periods um, has never been this big for any vaccine ever. Um, so I think that's the first thing of bullshit I need to call out. The second thing of bullshit that I need to call out um, is that getting the vaccine means that you will never get COVID. That's bullshit. Getting the vaccine means that you will not be severely ill be hospitalized or die from COVID. And as someone who was hospitalized from COVID, I can fucking tell you, you don't want it. You don't want to get severe COVID. So the vaccine will prevent you from dying. The vaccine will prevent you from getting severely ill or being hospitalized. And at the end of the day, like I think people just have this preconceived notion that if you get the vaccine, you'll never get COVID. And so that's what the far right people are trying to spread is, well, listen, I mean, the vaccine isn't even effective. Everyone's getting breakthrough COVID. Motherfucker, those people are literally maybe sick at home for a few days, for a week. They feel like they have the flu, but they're fine. Right. Meanwhile, all the unvaccinated people, which consists of 90% of hospitalized COVID patients right now are unvaccinated, 90%. And all the ones who are dying are unvaccinated. So 
that's the second half of the bullshit that I'm going to call out. So please get the vaccine. Um, if you are getting information from people, make sure your people who you're getting information from are reputable, reliable sources who are following the latest standards that are based off of scientific research and evidence-based data. And a reminder that essential oils don't count and also are not FDA oh, approved. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's a great add that to the And bullshit. just a reminder about those essential oils, although they do smell lovely, if you're taking those, <laughs> helpful for aromatherapy. Yes. Yeah. It's not going to, the eucalyptus lavender mint is not going to fix your COVID. No. Uh, oh, you know, let me throw in a third piece yes. of calling out bullshit. My third piece of calling out bullshit is if you're listening to Dr. Celery Juice and if you think, oh, listen, I eat a raw plant based vegan diet and my immune system. It's phenomenal. I don't need the vaccine because my immune system is great. Majority of patients in the hospital are completely healthy individuals prior to them coming to the hospital with severe COVID and then dying. So your immune system, um, your immune system is functioning at different levels of all at, at all times in your life. But just because you're a healthy individual and you are a super food acai bowl, plant-based vegan, like, you know, superstar out there, like it doesn't matter you can still die from COVID. Katie, we could talk to you all day. I am your biggest fan. I'm also obsessed with you um, on Instagram, just so you know. Now I'll go roll in your inbox and and creep on you tons. Um, But where can people find you? Um, So they can find me at um, on Instagram at the Katie Duke. And you can find my podcast on all podcast platforms. And it is called Bad Decisions. Uh, because it basically just talks about all the bad decisions in life I make <laughs> and the good things that come out of that. That Beautiful. is amazing. Thank you so much. We, this was so informative. You're amazing. We're obsessed you with you. This was like, this is totally fun. I'm trying to find your pages. Well, don't worry. I'll we'll stop you very soon. Over, yeah. Don't worry. Thank you. We cannot thank you enough. <laughs>